0: What's up everybody? This Life Ain't For Everybody back at you. Thank you all so much for the subscriptions, the downloads. I hope you all have been enjoying the guests lately. We've had so many badass musicians and athletes and admirals and jet jet fighter pilots, military personnel, you name it. So many different walks of life. That's what This Life Ain't For Everybody is all about. doesn't mean that my life isn't for you or your life isn't for me. It's just that we were all put on this earth to have our own asses on our own seats on this bus and know where we fit in getting in where we fit in and staying in our lane and i love how the common denominator is passion and love today's episode of the podcast again is brought to you by the one and only the iconic lynchburg tennessee jack daniels sour mash whiskey enjoy it responsibly never allow underage drinking i'm gonna tell you what jack daniels goes really good with meat church barbecue The rubs, the recipes, the know-how, the knowledge The sweat, the passion, the love that Matt Pittman puts into his brand, it shows, and what I mean by it shows is that this dude is freaking everywhere from music to athletics to NASCAR to openings of stadiums to conventions to banquets to after parties to red carpet events to Traeger cookouts to Traeger instructional classes, you name it, Meat Church has exploded and continues to lead the way. In the flavor profiles of our backyards, is that fair to say, Matt Pittman? The flavor profiles of our backyards—you're killing it, my man. What's up, brother? Well,
1: that's that's my hope anyway. I hope, <laughs> I hope people did what we make, but yeah, appreciate that.
0: Hey, I got to ask you. I want to start off by this: like, have you ever in your career? And I know you're a young man. I don't know how old are you, man? Are you my age? I'm 46. I'm 46. We're the exact same age. Um, have Where's you ever? Your October
1: 21st. I'm a Libra right on the cusp. You've got me by one month.
0: Uh, your, your birthday's in September. I'm one month older you're, than you're
1: you. In, hey, and we're drinking the exact same drink. I just have mine in the sponsor cup. <laughs> you're in a Red Bull? sugar free.
0: I'm trying to stay awake, dude. I've been freaking grinding just like you do. But have you in your career ever seen it this busy for backyards and people that just want to throw
1: down on grills? I mean, I've been saying for a while barbecue has been enjoying like a pretty crazy Renaissance over like the last, I don't even know now, you know, seven to 10 years, but especially in the last couple, and especially with COVID last year, I mean, last year was really insane for us as a lot of people. Um, but yeah, like when I got into it, I'd said, you get to, you get to the age where some people have little kids, you don't have a lot of time on your hands to go do whatever your hobbies were and you're at home. And plus, the combination of that with people thinking they're foodies and want to try to make whatever they go eat somewhere. And like everybody, you know, the common denominator is we've all got to eat, but it seems like more and more people are at home trying to cook on their own. Um, and I mean, outdoor cooking is just on fire. Um, it's, it's crowded. i never seen anything like it. When you
0: did that little quotation marks for those watching on YouTube, I just did a podcast we have a little segment that we have on this life ain't for everybody it's it's a totally different show but it's called breaking it down and I do it with my co-host Alex Crosby um We just had an episode on what is a foodie? Like, I can't find a definition of it. I don't know what it means. Is it self-proclaimed, Matt Pittman? Um, Are you allowed to critique other people's recipes or rubs just because you are a foodie? What is a foodie? And I know that they're everywhere. And I understand that we all, you know, like I said in the beginning of this, Matt Pittman, we get in where we fit in. But can you give me a pretty standard definition of what a foodie is?
1: I think for me, if you think you're a foodie, it's someone that just enjoys going to restaurants and, you know, enjoys nice food. And, um, you know, I think we're pretty frugal family, but like we like to go eat really good food, right? Like I'd go sit down at a new hot restaurant. I'd order the whole menu and I'm not big enough to eat the whole menu, but that's what I I just want to enjoy tasting all those different foods. And that seems to have turned into people trying to go replicate it themselves. So, um, I think there's good and bad, you know, that's the good side of it. The bad side are all these guys that take their critiques to Yelp and things like that and try to give everybody their opinion. Like they've got a master's degree in, you know, culinary arts or whatever the heck they think they have. Um, So I just think it's somebody that loves, loves eating, you know, and appreciates really good food.
0: Do you, do you think that with the explosion of, of this kind of, I guess it's the internet, I guess it's social media. I think it's the ability for people to get their message out there. Is it good for the overall culture of being a, culinary expert or a cook or trained in the arts like i remember when i went to college matt Pittman. i was in hotel management and guy fieri was there at unlv and i just i've always looked up to people that 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 were educated and they get it because there is a different side of getting it and i'm not saying by any means that you have to be have a master's degree in barbecue to do what you do or to do what chad Ward does or whoever right i know you're very proficient and very awesome at it but it do you think that this explosion is good for it or is it getting it to the point to where everybody has become a professional and a know-it-all per se
1: i think it's a great question i'm actually glad you asked it double-edged sword for sure um the good outweighs the bad but i I seem to get so hung up on the bad i mean it the good side of it if it weren't for this explosion in the internet and and how people can have their voices heard my business wouldn't be where it is so i try to remind myself of that every day and be thankful Um, for how quick things can spread on the internet. But at the same time, I've talked with a lot of guys that you know about how do you handle negative comments or I I try not to let it. It's not personal. You know, If you when you get to be a certain size or I guess the saying goes, if you don't have haters, you're not trying hard enough. So I laugh at some of it, but it's perspective is what it is. You know, and that can come from a lot of ways. It can be formal education. Like you said, it could be owning a restaurant. Who knows? But um, just the way people get on social media and pop off and wears me out. Uh, so I think I know where you were going with that. Um, and I certainly I hate that aspect of it. Uh, I mentioned Yelp earlier, and that's just one aspect of it. But you know, Dudley tells me he's like, I don't read my comments. I'm like, you know, it's crazy. Like how, how could someone critique you with as much education as you give the world on your social media and what you stand for? Like, how could someone come on and possibly, you know, talk smack to you, but they do it they do it to me. They do it to, you know, everybody we know. Um, so, and then I, I've said this a hundred times lately. I think people have lost so much decency in the last couple of years. I think the way, uh, things went sideways with politics in particular, people feel entitled to say whatever they want. Um, they wouldn't say the things they say to our faces. That's for sure. Uh, and I think the pandemic, you know, made things worse. People were cooped up and pissed off and, They had nothing better to do but be on their computer. So uh, I know my mom wouldn't be proud if I talked the way I see a lot of people talk online, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it seems to me, Matt Pittman, that the accountability aspect of our culture and our society and communities is lost. Um, You you can say whatever you want, whenever you want. And being critiqued is cool because if you're going to be Matt Pittman and you're going to put your face on a billboard or a Traeger app or, or an article or uh, an event that you do, you're opening yourself up in a way to shoulder that. And you've obviously proven that you can shoulder it. There was a movie back in the day. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's called the chef. Have you seen it with John Favreau? Okay. Mm -hmm. He works at a five-star restaurant owned by Dustin Hoffman. They have this big foodie or critic that writes a blog come in and he absolutely destroys John Favreau's pride with what he critiques his food with leading John to go out, move to Miami, fall back in love with his wife, become a better father, get a food truck. And then all of a sudden that critic shows up at the end and says how good his Cubano sandwiches are and that he's killing it in life how much you said you you know your comments and that john dudley at knock on uh, archery doesn't read his comments but what do you put in how much weight do you put into a critique matt like if somebody says holy, holy cow is this or this rub is this how much weight do you put into that before you actually go well maybe they're onto something maybe i need to change something or maybe i do need to improve on in an area
1: does that question make sense yeah totally um well you know if it comes to critiquing like something i make like our products our seasoning you know obviously what i make isn't for everybody and if you don't like it i can't tell you what tastes right right or what you like so that's okay it's just like you know i drink miller light and there's no shortage of people that tell me constantly that i drink this cheap crappy beer Well, who cares? Like, how bad is your life that you have to worry about what other what beer other people are drinking? But newsflash, it's like, you know, 100 degrees here. And when you're barbecuing, you can't drink 12 IPAs. So anyway, (laughs) um, so it depends on the type of critique. If it's just about like, hey, I don't like the design of that shirt or I don't like the way holy cow tastes. That's fine. And that doesn't bother me one percent. But I have to put a lot of thought into what I put out there. You made the point. If you're going to put yourself out there, you have to be ready to shoulder it. And I try to be an educator. It's my life's work now to you know try to inspire people to get outside and cook and to share my knowledge and things I've learned. When I was on barbecue Pitmasters years ago, um, they called me a kindred barbecue. The, my producer said, "You're like my kindred barbecue." spirit or barbecue nerd. And I said, why? And she's like, I've never met someone that knows more about barbecue than you do. So I've, I've put a lot into learning why people do what they do. Um, and usually the comments I read that get to me are just people that don't have the experience or the perspective and they don't know. Um, and that's still okay. But when it get when they're personally trying to get a little personal, that that's the stuff I'm like, yeah, okay, let's just get rid of you and, and move on. But you're exactly right. If, if you're going to have the size of following and you're going to put yourself out there like my instagram is my reality tv it's like what we just ate and you know not everything you cook is instagram worthy right i don't have a camera crew following me every time i make a meal but then you start to feel this pressure that what you put out there has to be at a certain level because people um come to expect that from you but you know responding to those takes a lot i Like I said, trying to let them bother me, but um, if there's something that is worthy of a response, I usually just write a pretty professional response because I do read most of our comments, and then on I go about my business.
0: I want to turn you into a critic for one second, Matt Pittman. You just mentioned Miller Lite. You have a common bond with one of my favorite bands in the world right now, Whiskey Myers, from your home state of Texas southeast texas i believe east texas east texas cody cannon and the boys they played little rock arkansas two nights ago with my friend jamie johnson and i had several friends there that said it was absolutely it was so hot the temperature but they said the music was insane the show was insane a lot of people said that it was the best concert they've ever been to but being a critic yourself matt why is Whiskey Meyer so badass? Are they badass? Do they represent Texas the way that you love to see Texas represented being a native? But why are they? Ha, why did they get so big and sell out everywhere and have such a cult following?
1: They, so they're East Texas boys. If you sit down and talk with them and you hear their accents, they're just Texas redneck boys. And they're just, they say good old fashioned rock and roll. And, uh, I don't, man, it, they, they kind of edge on, I guess, Southern rock. Like if you like Skinner or, um, it's uh, some people call them Texas country, but that's not to me. They're more rock than country. I just think they're just like doing it their way and it's caught on, um, they're hardworking dudes They're and they're good dudes. You know, they're all just great guys. And, um, Cody's, you know, wears our hats, uh, regularly, which I'm super thankful for. Um, but I mean, Hey, like now people are ready for life to get back to normal. Like I just talked to my wife about this food fighters just played the garden two days ago. I feel like life is getting back to normal, you know, when that happens, but, um, her wife, her cousin was actually at that show in Arkansas. So, um, I've been meticulously looking at their dates, trying to figure out when they're going to be here, but they put on just a good rock show and they were, they were blowing up right before COVID. So I think they're about to really go big now. So
0: when you have had the pleasure of cooking for Cody and the Whiskey Myers crew, are they a traditional Texas barbecue kind of crew that, or do they have any special requests? Do they need like some frog legs or some weird shit or do they just like the brisket and the burn-ins?
1: Yeah, they let me do what I want. But the the last time we cooked for them was their uh, album release party. And I made smoke bologna and Cody wouldn't quit talking about that. And he went home and, and made it shortly thereafter. But you want a funny story. He called me, um, in during their time off and he was wanting help with a brisket and i said well how, how big is the brisket and he said well it was from one of our cattle so it, you know it didn't have a weight on it so i took it down to my bass boat and i weighed it on my scale and it was like 12 pounds <laughs> that, is, that is the most whiskey myers thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> he hung it from the hook yes. he hung it from the bass hook well so I was like dude i need to go big with that story but more people
0: need to know about that that's mm-hmm. just that's just an awesome way to live like they didn't, they didn't guess. I mean, he actually took the time to walk down to the shoreline or the marina or the dock and actually put it on the scale. I just yeah. That's what I love about Cody is he's just cool as they come and down to earth, and then when he gets on there, he's so unassuming. When you look at Cody Cannon, you don't really <coughs> think that you're getting ready to see or hear what you what you get to hear and see, yeah. you know what I mean? He's an incredible performer. And um, What is the secret, Matt Pittman, to good barbecue, you said that you're trained in it, you've been called a nerd, you've been called a spirit animal for others in the facet of barbecue. Some people get it and some people don't. I've tasted brisket to where it's made me never wanna put a piece of brisket in my mouth again, but I've also had your brisket and people that we run with to where you could put it in a taco to a salad to just a plate of barbecue with some beans or whatever. It's incredible. What is the secret to a good brisket? Can you give away some hints? I know that you teach classes, but can you give me some hints to brisket?
1: I'm happy to. First and foremost, if you come to my classes, I tell people that I'm going to show you a very straightforward way to make amazing barbecue. I'm not here to out-chef you or give you a three-page recipe. And you just have to pay attention to certain things, and it's really not that hard. Um, You know, with brisket... I mean, it's as simple as a two-step process, um, whether you're cooking on a Traeger or whatever, you know, smoker, um, types that, that people have, I, you know, starts with good cut of meat. You know, I want to start hopefully a prime brisket, but choice makes a great brisket if you can't, um, afford or have access to a prime brisket. And I don't necessarily think you need to cook Wagyu beef. Like that's really not all that practical. And I'm not sure that it's worth the price unless you're in a competition, but nonetheless, um, Texas barbecue simple. It's, it's uh, it's seasoned with 50, 50 salt and pepper and cooked with post oak. Uh, we use our Holy cow rub, which is uh, about 80% salt and pepper. And then it's got a little garlic in it. So it's a great brisket rub, but you know, I tell people focus on two things, you know, smoke it nice, low and slow until you get to about 165 or 170 degrees internal temperature. And that low and slow, you can be anywhere two twenty 250, even 275. Um, But if you've got the time, lower is always better, you know, just to to develop really nice bark. Second step of the process is I wrap it tight in unwaxed butcher paper. If you don't have that, use foil and you got to cook it till it's probe tender and don't rush it. So probe tender in the flat, usually just over 200 degrees, 202, 203, 204. Um, But don't hang up on that number, like use an instant read thermometer and check the flat and make sure that when you're poking it in the middle of the flat, there's just no resistance but you got to be paying attention because you have to stop the cook process at that point. Uh, you've got to pull it off and rest it um, at least for an hour. You don't want to slice a brisket while it's hot. You can leave it wrapped. You can set it on your counter at ambient temperature, either outside or inside and let it rest for an hour. And it will not get too cool in that hour. Uh, if you need to hold it longer than an hour, um, I'll let it sit out on the counter for half an hour. And then I'll to make sure the cooking process stops. And then I'll put it in a Yeti. Um, if I'm resting it for up to two hours, I'll put it in a Yeti with the latches fold under the lid. So it doesn't close all the way. Uh, if you need to hold something two to like four or five hours, then I'll latch the Yeti. Um, you know, and that's, that's really about it. But I get lots of questions about like, Oh, you, you know, you cook on a Traeger and you get that dark bark. I don't do that. Well, people are cooking their stuff hot and they're rushing it. Um, we cook our briskets fat up in Texas, which goes against a lot of, you know, common people that we know and no offense to anybody. There's, you know, a lot of ways to skin a cat, but a lot of the people, a lot of the friends we have in common come from a competition world where you cook meat side up because it presents better for a judge. Uh, but here in Texas, we cook everything fat up and you'll develop better bark that way so if you're worried about that that's kind of how we do it and i've got tutorials on Meat Church youtube channel showing you how to trim a brisket smoke a brisket stuff like that um but you know starts out with good ingredients and just the thing for me is just paying attention to what you're doing watching the visual cues looking at it if it starts to look dry spritz it maybe you need a water pan in your cooker um just keep an eye on it you know and and then it's trial and error you know my first brisket wasn't as good as my last brisket so you know i cook my butt off and uh until i get it where i want it to be but once it finally hits for you and it's and it's to your liking it's like a magical moment where you are like holy crap that was fun and you want to do it again
0: four questions i love all of that what temperature do you like to have a a wood pellet grill and smoker we both love traeger Um, what temperature would you say that that slow cook process should be at
1: Well, and so if there's anybody watching that follows my recipes, you know, my published recipes with Traeger are at 275, but that's because most people doing long cooks like briskets and pork butts, normally they are doing that on a weekend and they're like doing it on a Saturday because that's when you have that many hours to do it. Um, I know times have changed with COVID and people are home more often, but that was kind of my like, all right, you got 10 hours to get it done. This is how you do it. But if I want to make my absolute best brisket on a Traeger – Um, I have a video on our YouTube called the weekday brisket that was published prior to the COVID shutdown. And that was like, how could you cook a brisket when you're at the office? And what I do there is I actually take the brisket very low. I'll put it on in the evening, anytime at night and put it on at like 190 degrees. So super low so that it won't finish. And I just let it ride low overnight. Don't touch it. Don't open it. Nothing. The next morning, I would go out and wrap it up to protect the color and, and get some moisture protection, wrap it up tight. And then, depending when I want it, if I wanted it for lunch, I would increase the temp to 250 when I woke up. If I want it for dinner, I would just slightly increase the temperature from 190 to like 210 or 220 and kind of baby it through lunchtime. And then I would crank it to 250 and allow it to finish around four o'clock or so. Give yourself an hour or two to let it rest. And it makes that. That's like a long, it could be a sixteen to twenty-ish hour process, but is a amazing pellet grill brisket.
0: When you start talking about when you're talking about the rest period, you said that it does not continue to cook and and it doesn't and it also doesn't cool down that much. What is the optimum? internal temp that you want to slice a brisket at when you start to use one of your thermopins or another kind of
1: thermometer. Yeah. So if you let's just say that this brisket was coming off at 203. And if you if you pull that brisket out, let's say it's wrapped in paper, um if you pulled it out and you put it straight in a cooler, the ambient heat would continue to carry over cook. This is like a steak. Like if I'm cooking a steak to medium rare which is 130 to 135 I would pull it no more than like 128 because the temperature is going to keep going, you know, four or five more degrees and get you just over 130. Well, with the brisket, it's already tender. You don't need to cook it anymore. So when you pull it out of the Traeger, I like, like I said, I set it on the counter. Like we're in my outdoor kitchen, I sit on the counter and let it sit for 30 minutes, and it's barely going to come down. I like could probably come down 10, maybe 15 degrees in 30 minutes. Um, we actually tested this about a month ago we left one on the counter for one hour and it was still like in the low 170s when i went to slice it which people don't believe that because they're like no it's going to get cold um but in that hour the moisture in the muscle fibers is out at the end of the muscle fibers and so when you're resting a brisket or a steak or whatever the muscle fibers are relaxing and that moisture is redistributing throughout the meat so that gives you just a juicier bite um, you know, if you cut it too hot, steam, juice runs out, that, that's just robbing yourself of those juicy bites. I want to get it down to more in the 140s or so, you know, and I don't have like the perfect number, but a lot of restaurants hold briskets at like 145. Um, there's some people that hold them a little hotter than that. But in the 140s is kind of where I'm trying to be. So it's still nice and tender and really warm. Um, and you could go below that but i I, that's i kind of like to take it down to about the 140s so it cooks to 204
0: pull it off the grill rests for 60 to 120 minutes one to two hours and serve it after slicing it when it's down to internal temp of around 140
1: degrees yeah about 145 and slice it to eat so if you're not going to eat the whole brisket don't slice the whole brisket just slice off what you want uh brisket dies a really quick death you know as soon as you start slicing and it dries really quickly so i only slice off what my guests are going to eat and then if i have any leftover i'll wrap it in like food service film which is you know fancy cellophane wrap it really tight in that um or vac seal it with as much of the jus like if you had any leftover um the juices that came out hang on to that vac seal that um i know you didn't ask me about reheating but it's always a good
0: no i love that i also am very interested matt Pittman, on the two different cooks you have your saturday all day stand around with a couple cold beers and buddies like it's a pot of jambalaya or gumbo because i love doing that with my cajun friends but i also like the idea of standing over a grill or a spit around the pool or whatever um Is there a law or a rule, Matt Pittman, to go by for each of those as far as the poundage? You said Cody's was around 12 pounds, but I've seen good briskets up 17, 18, 19, 20 pounds. Is there a law per pound of how many hours per pound on each of those different cooks?
1: Yeah, the first thing I'll say is, you know, I wouldn't mind if I was cooking a 12 pound or an 18 pound from a taste perspective. It's not like a turkey where I like smaller turkeys. I think I don't like the taste of large birds but brisket, it's okay to have a bigger one. Um, I tell people that at 250 degrees budget an hour a pound, oh, wow. um, and that'll give you plenty of time, you know, to get it done. But I usually go buy 15. If I'm doing the Saturday during the day cook, I'll usually buy about a 15 pounder. Cause I'm going to take about three pounds off of it, leaving me around 12, and I know I can get that done in about 10 hours. So that's to put it on early. Like you said, hang around the pool, eat it, right. Then, you know, eat it. Then, uh, I feel like that's the traditional, I just think that's what the public does, right. They go to the store on Friday or the weekend and they want a Saturday brisket and they start it at five or six or seven in the morning. So that's why I have that method out there. And that's why you see so many people doing a meat up brisket that gives you this like, you know, quarter, half inch smoke ring, you get all the likes on Instagram Um, but I promise you slowing it down and cooking fat up actually makes a superior tasting product. In my opinion, I've had a lot of, depends on your circumstance, right? Like, like who knows how much time you have or how busy your family is or whatever. So, you know, so many ways to skin the cat, like I said earlier,
0: well, let's say that you do have some time on a Saturday. I've been asked a lot of times, Matt, is it true with the Traeger that you can set it and forget it now? We just talked about how we like to have a cold beer with our buddies and stand around. Is it safe to open the lid on one of these wood burning, you know, pellet grills like the Traeger we we recommend is it okay to to look at the brisket during the cook? You talked about spritzing it. It's a convection style cook with the airflow and, and and, and that type of heat element that's in the Traeger. Educate me a little bit on, should we open the lid? Is it okay to open the lid? Do you turn the brisket? Do you flip the brisket? Do you keep it fat up the entire time in Texas? How, how would you, how should I answer that question?
1: Well, you know, old saying, if you're looking, you're not cooking, but, um, you got half a million followers on Instagram. You got to open it up, take a picture here or there, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay to open it. I mean, that's part of it, especially if you're with your buddies, you want to look at it, see how it's going, you know, and be like, Oh my gosh, look at that bark. So the Traegers recover very quickly, especially if you bought one that has been out in the last couple of years, the D2 models, those things recover so fast that even if you open it, they're going to get back to the temperature you wanted really quickly. So the, I don't think there's anything wrong with opening it. Um, now, as far as moving it, if I'm just cooking one in the grill, uh, I pretty much won't move it, but it's good to always know your cooker, whether it's a Traeger or anything else. You need to know where the hot spots are in the grill. And I'll get into this. Like, you know, I know we're talking a lot about Traeger. Um, a lot of people, when they see me cook a fat up brisket, say, Do you not realize the fire pot's right in the middle? That's why you should be fat down. Guys with big pits rotate meats around if there's hot spots. So, depending on where your heat source is coming from, you may need to move it just based on that. But if I'm cooking one in a trigger, I normally put it on the second shelf. So it's not right. You know, the fire pot's not blasting it right beneath it. Um, but I don't flip it or turn it unless I need to um, just, you know, I pay such close attention to the meats that I'm cooking. You know, if I'm on an offset pit and if my fire is coming from the right side, then I actually spin the brisket to where the point the part with two or it looks like two muscles stack the bigger part is closest to the firebox and then the flat is over here so that fattier big point is catching the brunt of the direct heat Um, so you do have to pay attention to things like that depending on what you're cooking on if you're cooking on like a kamado style grill and there's slits the openings around the edges well odds are part of your brisket may be hanging over that edge and so you may have to kind of rotate it but I don't, you know, you don't have to flip it or do anything dramatic. Just kind of watch how it's cooking and adjust if need be. Might even put a little piece of foil on the smaller ends or something like that.
0: Last brisket, maybe last brisket question, Matt Pittman, Meat Church. What is a cap? Do you always trim a brisket no matter where you get it from, assuming that the butcher did not? And then the next is the application of the Meat Church dry rub. Is there a such thing of too much dry rub on a brisket do you do both sides do you do the cap side the fat downside, with rub as well what does a dry rub do i know that's a long-winded question but talk to me about okay. taking that cap off and then the application of the dry rub and what that rub is doing
1: well so when i first started teaching barbecue i was really cognizant of the fact that briskets aren't cheap for a lot of people and everything you trim is something you paid for. And I'll I'll just say this, a lot of guys just throw their trim away. I mean, I, I think the majority of people home cooks that are cooking one brisket will trim it up and just throw the excess away. So I wasn't trimming things to the degree that I have been the past few years, but I said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to teach the right way, which is let's trim this brisket. Now what I call pretty aggressively, because I want to be left with a perfectly uniform well as uniform as piece of meat as possible so like on the flat I cut where it gets really thin on the flat I'll cut it off and again I have a video brisket trim video on my YouTube that shows this um because if you don't do that when you go to cook the brisket when you cook the thicker parts to perfection the little thin stuff is going to be dried out now if you're i hate to say this if you're feeding that thin part to your kids or your neighbor maybe you don't care but if you come to Texas When we go to a barbecue joint, you have brisket. Every slice off that brisket has to be perfect. Barbecue is a religion in this state, and you can't serve anybody one bad bite of brisket. So briskets are trimmed, like I said, pretty aggressively. Now, I take all that trim, and I do something with it. This, And I'm not trying to push our YouTube, but this past week's video we just dropped was 100% utilization of your brisket. Take your fat and render it down into tallow, and take your meat trimmings and use them for burgers in that case, sausage, whatever right we all need ground beef so i use all of it i'm not i'm not wasting anything off of it um but to your point about the fat cap i had a guy comment the other day and he said i don't trim any of the fat because that's the best part and i just laughed i'm like you sound like my granddaddy telling me the crust was the best part on the pizza if that was the case why didn't you just get a big old crust and like why bother with the tomato sauce and the cheese um yes fat is flavor but in moderation so i trim the cap down to about a quarter inch maybe a little more depending um because you know i'll get briskets that have like inch inch and a half thick fat like who the hell would want to eat that like that's crazy so i i do um trim that down to a quarter inch and then yeah i season all sides so you know you might we got first responders here flying by hopefully the meat church isn't on fire with the sirens <laughs> in the background um Anyway, well, the fireman here, I'm like, hey, you get an alarm from the meat church. You know what we do. You better get here quick. Yeah. Um, so you could slather or not. A slather is like a mustard or an olive oil or something to help the seasoning in here. I'm known to not slather a whole lot. Um, use our holy cow real even across the entire brisket. Meat side, fat side, sides, really even application across the entire thing. Um, and that's that's pretty much about it.
0: When you When you start talking about it being a religion down there and i know that your brisket is awesome where would you go if you were just visiting texas i want to get back to the barbecue instruction in a minute but you i've seen a lot of you know the the diy or the food network shows in your state is it the best barbecue in the world compared to the carolinas compared to memphis compared to kansas city those would i would say are the four would you agree those are the four barbecue capitals of our country?
1: Yeah. I and mean, that's a great question too. And I, I, I try to spend a fair amount of time talking about that. I always say I appreciate all the regions of barbecue. I really do. You know, Texas is not a barbecue sauce state. Good barbecue doesn't need sauce. So there, when people, I saw someone come up with the Texas barbecue sauce the other day I was like, what the hell's that? There ain't no sauce in this state. I didn't, <laughs> I wanted to say that, but I didn't. Um, but barbecue sauce is my favorite condiment. So you know, and, and like I said, I've said this a lot. If you and I got on a plane and we flew to, you know, North Carolina and we had a vinegar based sauce, you would never, ever find that here. But I love the taste of that sauce or mustard sauce. I love sauces. And, you know, I appreciate the fact that like Sam Jones barbecue back in the days of skylight in from the forties, you know, they do nothing but put salt on a whole hog and then it's sauced with a barbecue sauce. That's cider vinegar, Texas Pete's hot sauce, salt and pepper. I mean, it's the most simple thing ever, but the sandwich tastes so complex. Um, to your point about Kansas City, if we went to Kansas City, you know, the burn-in, one of the, maybe the best bite in barbecue, right? Um, very famous. It's the fatty part of a brisket, cubed, sauce, put back in a pit for an hour. Iconic. You know, again, we don't use barbecue sauce here, but I certainly put it on my burn-ins. So then you bring it back to Texas barbecue, I grew up, I was born in Tennessee, spent a ton of time there in Alabama, grew up on pork, and it was all sweet. It all had barbecue sauce. Come to Texas, at some age, I had a beef rib. The well, first thing I had was a chopped beef sandwich, which is a, you know, an Af- nobody goes to a barbecue joint to buy a chopped beef sandwich if you're trying to like grade them. But I know that's the first thing I had. It was in the parking lot of the grocery store I worked at. And I was like, dang, because I'd never had beef barbecue like that got a little older, went to Lockhart, Texas, the barbecue capital of the world and had a beef rib seasoned with salt and pepper and like snapped my head back moment, like, holy. And it was like nothing I'd ever had the, the rendered fat on top of that beef rib with that bold pepper bite. I wholeheartedly think that Texas barbecue is the best. When you travel the world, you see Joe's Texas barbecue or blah, 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 Texas barbecue. You don't you do see some of the others, but not that often, you know, you're not overseas and see such and such Carolina barbecue. Everybody wants to be Texas barbecue and everybody's prideful of their area. And they all think they're the best and, and who knows, it's all personal opinion. Um, but we're lucky we cook beef, the, you know, big cows bigger than all the pigs and chickens and everything else. So we can claim dominance that way
0: well when you start talking about beef and the dominance you also mentioned earlier about the man that the the guy that wrote in about how he keeps all the fat on you also mentioned earlier matt Pittman meat church that there's this thing called wagyu out there there's an explosion in our country of australian japanese strains of wagyu beef my personal opinion is that it's kind of like how can i explain this to you like it's kind of like ice cream to me, like I get all excited, it's a hot day, and then I have one bite and I'm good for six months, okay I'm not saying that ice cream's bad and I'm not trying to sound like I'm some keto expert. I'm just saying that I'm that guy that gets over a chocolate bar or a bite of ice cream in one bite and I don't need it. Wa yeah. seems to be the same to me and I don't know if I'm on to if you're going to agree with this and I'm not asking you to Matt, but is it and I and I love companies i we both worked with uh, you know Snake River and a lot of the great companies out there but it's almost too much to me. It's very, yeah. very rich to me. What is it about it that people love? Is it just, is it, a, it, I guess my question, Matt Pittman is this, is it a status symbol to eat Wagyu beef?
1: I, that man, I'm, I mean, you're killing me with the great questions um, and you're, and, w- and these are not pre-scripted. So, you know, I don't, I, I think, I think part of it is status and money, right? If you knew if you knew you'd go to your grocery store and get a steak for $300 and then there sat one beside it that was like, I don't know, $150, clearly the $150 one's better, at least so you think, or you see this intense marbling in the Wagyu and like, oh, I got to have that. There's that. Um, I mean, I'll say this up front. Love Snake River. The, the people in the organization are some of the best in the world. Uh, if you go to barbecue comp, you're cooking their briskets. That levels the playing field because that's what everybody cooks. And, you know, Benny Kendrick, friend of ours, love Benny. It's all he cooks. You know, I've never gone that route with myself or my brand because it's not practical on a Tuesday night for, you know, the people that I'm sharing what I do with. Like the majority of my followers can't eat Wagyu 7, you know, they can't afford to eat it that many days a week. week. But to your point, it's rich at times. Um, But let me let me give you a really cool example. We had a barbecue school here two years ago in this kitchen and there were 40 people in the class. And when I teach brisket, I need to cook two in order to feed 40 people and unbeknownst to the class. I fed them. Uh, I made one Wagyu and one prime. Now it was not snake river. Um, so i want to clear that up, but I handed it out in a, or my team handed it out in a boat and we had a meat church toothpick flag and one slice and the other slice had nothing. And I said, Hey, I want y'all to take note. We prepared these different. So just take note of what you like better. And so they all ate it. And then I said, okay, raise your hand. If the one with toothpick was better And 30 of the 40, raised their hand. And I said, okay, was it twice as good two, three or four times? Let's just say two times. Be conservative. Was it twice as good as a slice on the right and no one raised their hand. And I said, okay, the one with the toothpick was Wagyu. It costs $150. The one with no toothpick was a prime and it cost $55. So three times the cost and not a single person said they'd go buy it. Now I'll make a point about that. It was a, it was another brand. I'll leave them nameless. So you started mentioning this in the beginning. The thing with Wagyu, just because it says Wagyu doesn't mean it's a hundred percent. And it's usually not. And they're crossbred or, you know, there's something back up the chain where it's not 100%. So you don't know what percentage you're getting a lot of times when you buy it. And this particular one is fairly popular in uh, in Texas. It's not from Texas, but it's, it's making some noise around here. And it's good. I mean, it's not bad, but I love that taste test because, you know, every single person was like, nah, I wouldn't go pay that money for what it's worth. I
0: I, I can't like say it better myself, Matt, as far as like, I've done the same thing. And again, I'm a huge fan of SRF. They are incredible organization and people, just a great family business. I love them. And I love their quality. I mean, their tomahawk is some of the best nights I've ever had in my life. Um, You mentioned, we mentioned the regions of barbecue in our country. How diverse is is Matt Pittman? Are you With world barbecue, meaning that one of my favorite restaurants that I've ever eaten at in my life, and I know that they have these in Florida, they have one in Vegas now. Texas Day Brazil in Fort Worth is probably one of my top five dining experiences. I've been there three or four times, and I loved it every time. But Brazilian barbecue, Argentina open spit barbecue where they're, you know, chaining and wheeling it up and down. Are you a fan of this? Have you mastered these world styles of the South America barbecue? And how do they stack up with Texas flavoring? What's the difference there? Because Texas Day Brazil is a brand and it says Texas in there and it says Brazil in there. Are there similarities or is it just because it's all meat all the time?
1: Yeah, well, it's mostly grilling. Um, you know, so I, I'll tell you about some of my experience. Like behind me, this is a, this is a Santa Maria grill. So that's, that's California, but it's uh, direct, you know, direct fire underneath where you can raise the grates, but this is out of the frame, but over here, I have a, a rotisserie. So a Carson Rodizio rotisserie, that's six skewers. It's kind of like spit that I, I can actually put across this grill. And one of the best thing, and I've done this in a while, but one of the best things is to get picanha, which is really the signature at Texas day Brazil, slice it inch and a half thick with the fat cap on it, turn it into looks like a C put the skewer through it like this and just put kosher salt on it and just spin it on this thing. And, you know, just like in the restaurant slice off the edge, let someone eat it, put it back on and just continue to do that. And talk about simplicity. I mean, you literally just put salt on meat and spun it over direct fire. And it was that good. Um, I've got a mill scale open fire table that has a lot of components on it. It has an iron cross on it. It has a dome on it, an asado dome. Um, those are pieces that I'm trying to get better at. We used it some uh, some food and wine festivals over the past few years. That they put on a good show, but it's just about mastering direct fire underneath a meat and adjusting it to where it's cooked perfectly. And you know, it's it's hard to take a whole animal and cook it properly without drying out certain pieces of it. Um, so, you know, certainly not as experienced in some of the areas outside of the country as I want to be, but that's where I've relied on a lot of my friends that live in other areas that have been willing to teach me and show me. And I've started to bring in more, um, grills that do that sort of cooking because I'm, I mean, that's the, to me, that's the, the orig- origins of barbecue really, you know, cooking over direct fire like that. Yeah, so when you come down and come to Fort Worth, I'll meet you at Texas State Brazil.
0: I'm serious. Are you going to be there in August? Let's hook up. Yeah. Go, go to Billy Bob's. Um, I'm, I'm definitely here. Okay. Well, I'll, 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 I'll message you after and tell you the itinerary on, on the subject of social media and hate mail. You brought up a point that I just have to ask. Um, I saw a shirt the other day and I know it was yours. I think it was yours. It had the word vegan on the shirt. Okay. Are you <laughs> okay? There's been, there's been artists in the world, singers, actors, that kind of alienate part of their potential customer base or fan base because of political views or they just – like I won't personally watch a Robert De Niro movie anymore, self-admittingly, because I just don't like some of the things he says about our country. Okay? That's all I'm saying about Bobby D. used to love him. But do you get a lot of hate mail from veg heads and vegans because you are the meat church. You cook meat for a living. You grill meat for a living. You trade your meat for a living – do you worry about it? Cause I know you gotta be friends with some, right? Like you, you, you're yeah. in so many different facets. You got to know a
1: lot of vegans and vegetarians, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, our police department here in Waxhachie, the assistant chief is a vegetarian for health reasons. And he held a class here with his, uh, 20 police officers as a team building event. And, you know, he chose to eat the meat to be part of the team building. And I think he was crap and water for two days, <laughs> 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 but yeah, like I, you know, I don't think that you have to eat my lifestyle or, or anything like that, but I do believe, I think you need meat in your diet, but that's not what your question. Um, so we 2 let's see, it was on the day of the NASCAR all-star race would have been two weeks ago, uh, on one of our Instagram pages, we have meat church, BBQ supply. It's really around our store here in Waxhatchee and our online shop. Um, we decided to repost a joke, which was a guy grilling with like a, not vegan friendly shirt or something like that on, you know, and it is in the caption said something like, um, I eat twice as much meat to cancel out what any vegetarian thinks they're doing. I just thought it was funny. And you know, go, go look at it. I haven't deleted any of the, the comments, but there are a lot of negative comments calling us out on it. And I was like, dude, at what point did people lose their sense of humor? Like I'm right. j- it's a joke. <laughs> and so I left it and took it, um, but anyway, um, we, you know, if you have a, a meat church type Instagram account, uh, we vegetarians find it and but we don't get a ton. Um, but when they jump on there and say, like, not going to stop until all cages are freed or whatever, they normally get jumped. Our audience self polices and they kind of have fun with it. So we don't get a ton. I mean, we, we not enough to really worry about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't go poking them other than that. That might have been the only joke we've ever made. Um, which lesson learned, I guess we try not to dip our toes in anything polarizing at all. You know, we just are going to do our, keep our heads down and do our business and because you just can't have an opinion anymore. So we just kind of keep it to ourselves. In the movie, bull
0: Durham, there's a quote that talks about the church of baseball. Um, you hear Southerners say that Turkey hunting and duck hunting is a religion in the South and Southeast barbecue is a religion you referred to in Texas. Have you had any hate because of religion, because of the name of your brand and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but I'm sure you can. I get it. I understand what you're doing. I think I've even seen some of your designs and graphics and artwork. Um, some of your digital art was stained glass in some of your designs with meat church which replicates the inside of a church. You're at yeah. mass, you're at you're at, you're at a service have you taken shit for this matt pitman that people are like well that's that's unholy or something like that does that question make sense
1: yeah no it's a good question i mean honestly less than five times since 2014 have we gotten uh comment i mean maybe about five or six i think there's been um man i can only remember two or three comments in the last couple of years and it gave me i mean so i put a lot of thought into this i'm southern baptist And, um, I mean, you know, Jeremy Andrus. So I named the company before I knew Jeremy, but shortly thereafter, I had a meeting with him and he said, you know, here at Traeger, we, I think you can put one foot over the line, just don't have two. And I think that's, I think that's appropriate because people appreciate edginess here and there. We don't try to be disrespectful though, but the name meat church, it's perfect for us because I tell people we're here to bring people together to make great memories around good food. Like I said earlier, your life centers around food. Think about how much time you spend around a table, eating with other folks, sharing a drink. Meat church is about people coming into this backyard and having a good time. The fellowship of that, it's that simple. So it's cool because you take two words that don't belong together, put them together. Now, when you walk through the airport wearing a meat church shirt, you're going to get stopped. This is the coolest phenomenon. People are going to be like, what is that? Um, I'll tell you the very first festival I ever did, I was wearing a meat church shirt and a priest comes walking up to me like with a little white square. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And he got up to me. He said, "Meat church, huh? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, that's a church I can get behind. And I thought, but (laughs) conversely, to your point, the amount of emails I get from preachers that say like, hey, you know, I brought this into my men's group or, you know, we cook this or this at church. I get a ton of that. So it's, it's actually been very cool. Um, my grandparents did, or my grandfather did say, named why did you name it me church? And I told him and he moved on and, you know, lifelong deacon in the church. And he was the one I was really worried about. Um, but seriously, maybe five or six comments since we started, which has honestly been shocking. So I'm definitely good with that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things to where you just I would assume that somebody would look at it and get it but there are those people out there that might oh yeah put a little too much into it. Do you when you start talking about your product line, let's get specific and I know that we're coming to a, the end of our time together. I truly appreciate you coming on the show. This is Matt's second appearance, our first one was recorded live at the Kansas City Royal it, with Leith Lofton. I even,
1: wore, I even wore this shirt to commemorate when we first met. I love it. American oh, royal it, it is
0: royal. I didn't see, I could only see the top of the horns when you're sitting yeah. close to the screen. Um, when you start thinking about the product line and the success that you have endured over the last 60 months, you know, and maybe a little bit longer than that, but it's it's just come on so strong. What do you tell people that have so many choices, Matt. When you go into a boutique or your barbecue store, and this is what's cool about your store, is that you don't just sell meat. Church, that's badass, right? When you go into the Traeger store, they don't just sell Traeger rubs. What do you tell people? Get one of each. Cook as much as you can in life and use them all. What do you tell people? How do they make a decision? I understand you have to try it to find your flavor preference. Yeah, but you got to. You you have to have the right. Approach to be the founder, CEO, whatever your title is, El presidente of the meat church you got to have the right approach to this it's 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 one of those things to where you can't say everything ends with the meat church rub. you know what I'm saying like yeah. your rubs are yeah. badass but how how do you approach that when somebody wants to know is there anything else out there when they go to get their selection?
1: there's a few ways I could answer that, but, um, by and large, I focus on our social because I'm, I'm the one behind Instagram. And if you go look at it, you're be hard pressed to find me holding up a bottle saying you have to buy this Holy voodoo. Like, that's not what I do. I just show you my food. Like, here's what I made and here's how you can make it. And I just say, you know, it's like, here's a brisket and here's what I did to cook it. Now I do say that I use my stuff, but you know, I've been doing that since the beginning of time with our Instagram. But at the, when I started, it was just a hobby, right? It was like, here's a pecan cobbler I made on my, you know, blah, blah, blah cooker. And that was just what I was doing. It was just Instagram's visual. And I was just showing you how I made food and I was proud of it. So what I did not realize at the time is I was teaching you how to do it and starting to push a company ultimately. So we're still doing the same thing today. Like, you know, I make all these YouTube videos. Like we have real production. I, you know, hired my video guy and you not believe the amount of time we put in before we shoot a video. It's like, I tell people, it's like writing a cookbook. You can't change the words once someone's bought the book. So you better make sure what you say is what you meant to say. Um, I pour my heart and soul on this whole thing. I think all of that comes through. I think that's why it's working. I mean, I'm just a everyday guy like anyone else cooking. And that's all I'm focused on. I'm going to cook my ass off like someone, someone well known in barbecue made a comment to me. In the past few years, it said no one posts as much as you do on Instagram. And it was kind of like a little piss and vinegar. And I said, you mean no one cooks as much as I do on Instagram? Because while we've been on this podcast, literally, we just hit 500,000 followers on Instagram. And last week, I did the math on the number of post I have times an average amount of cook time. And I thought it's a lot of work. Um, And I'm proud of it. But if you come to our shop and where we have multiple things, fortunately, we're selling a $10 product, right? It's not like I'm selling a $1,500 grill where you may have to make a choice. I'm like, you know, like you said, this is what I do. This is what I like. I think you would like it. Why don't you just try it, but try what you want. And, you know, all the stuff I sell are friends of ours. Um, You can try them all and hopefully come back. But in the end, I'm trying to sell a lifestyle, you know, and it's about belonging to a community um, of like-minded people. And those people kind of want to do the same thing and push each other like, oh, honey hogs, my favorite rub. And I put it on this. What do you put it on? Oh, I've never thought of putting it on salmon. I should go try that. Oh, my kid puts it on popcorn. And, you know, just what you can do with it is kind of endless. But I never thought that creating some seasonings would get to this where our private Facebook group, the Meat church congregation just hit 110,000 people. I'm like 110,000 people just in our private group. It's almost bigger than our corporate, our, our normal Facebook page. So it's, it's really pretty crazy um, phenomenon, but honestly I don't tell people what to do. I, I don't even tell people like you should cook on a Traeger. You know, if somebody comes to me and, Traeger knows this. If somebody says, Man, I'm thinking about buying a big green egg or a Traeger, what should I buy? I start with questions like, All right, you know, how busy are you? Do you like the science of like running a fire? Do, do you, are you just super busy and you just want to have better food than comes out of the oven? You know, and um, I'm big. I, I really don't tell you what's the right way. Even in my videos, th- look, this is what I'm using today. I'm using Holy Cow. It's near and dear to me because I developed this in a parking lot. And, but you know what? Use whatever rub you want to use. Which, by the way, is really crazy that you get you spend thousands of dollars making YouTube videos. But you you have to say, like, you can use whatever you want or you'll get skewered. Um, but that's not the only reason I do it. Like, I just want people to cook however they want. And we've built a brand big enough at this point that as long as we stay where we're at, I'll you know, I'll, my family will live a happy life. And um, hopefully we bring joy to people and, you know, get like we do this to have a good time. That's why I can't stand the negativity. Like, I don't like when people are talking smack for whatever reason. So I'm like, just get outside and cook and be happy. That's why you did this in the first place. Quit bitching about how I did what I did. You go do what you want to do.
0: Well, there's two reasons for that in our culture and society and country, in my opinion, Mr. Meat Church, Matt Pittman, is that ego can be a bitch. And no matter how good you are at something, if you can show the passion and the love for it and why you're doing it, then that's all that matters because I think the people that get pissed, it's for two reasons. One, their ego's telling them that they're way better than you and they should be bigger than you and they might not have what it takes to do what you do. And that really bugs them. And two, they don't have the ability to properly prepare the food the way that they do and then when they try it they don't get it so instead of learning from somebody that's proven like matt Pittman, they really have a blockage in there so the first thing that they do is if they can't be as good as you they're going to break you down they're going it, you know taylor swift has a line in a song and i don't mean to refer to taylor swift at one time she was really country and i have a lot of respect for what she does in ways of artist art to art but She said, people throw rocks at things that shine. That, that ladder's high to get to where you've gotten. And when you're climbing it and you're just in your backyard it." 2014 everybody's like go matt go you're really doing it man that's great but then you get there and all of a sudden you got the you you, you got a lifestyle and a culture and a brand and a store and a happy family it seems to bug people and it's so yes, ass backwards of like man just get up earlier and work harder and let's all strive for this we were all given the opportunity to do this right and yeah. that's what's so badass to see a brand like meat church get to where it's gotten and, and hear you say that all you want to do is bring joy to people that should be enough for the hey to be like, you know what? I'm going to go out and try that. And I'm going to learn from that. Nobody's stopping anybody from becoming a good griller or a good grill master or a good barbecuer. Go win the Royal, go win the Jack Daniels, go win the Houston rodeo, go do something that makes you sit down at night and go, man, that was badass. I did that. And then you're going to have the haters. It's not going to stop. You know what I mean? It's always going to be those people that think that they should be there. They can't figure out how you're doing what you do. Even though you're yeah. giving them an open book and an instruction manual, they still can't figure it out, and that drives them up a freaking wall. So that what happens? No accountability, keyboard muscle haters. It just keeps making the world go round, my man. All you got to do is say we're doing it, and you deserve the congratulations. That's what I would say: is keep kicking ass. I love it, but I, it really does drive you nuts when you know that somebody's going to get on here and go, "Oh yeah, I can beat that. I can do that. We'll go do it. Just get up and do yeah. it."
1: Yeah. It, it, here, one of the big things is people will go to a barbecue joint and they'll try brisket and they'll be like, oh, I can make a brisket better than that. I'm like, well, you might be able to make one better than that. But this guy had to make 60 to i got a buddy here who sold 150 Saturday and every bite of those 150 have to be amazing. That's a whole different ball game. And why do you care if you can make one better? Cool. Then go do it. Yeah. But yeah, I had a, I had a guy on a there's a pretty big barbecue group locally. And someone posted something they cooked with one of our seasonings. And this guy got on. I woke up early one day and he commented at like 2 in the morning, which is a good sign that he's hammered. And he <laughs> said something about like, well, Matt Pittman just seems like the biggest douchebag. And da, da, da. And I was like, dude, you know, what the hell is your problem? But, um, yeah, I'll even kill him with kindness at that point. Well, think, like, oh, about,
0: think, about, think about that this guy that's not even from texas right like you're you're a texas at heart but you're not born and raised there right, that, yeah. that right there is going to make a true texas barbecue guy go all right well i'm the one up on him and then they yeah. go on to your instagram and they see you standing with arguably the greatest dallas cowboy quarterback of all time i don't know maybe maybe danny white but troy aikman is considered the best of all time in the organization i would maybe there's uh, that's arguable i I take that back but troy aikman is a freaking badass and there there is matt Pittman cooking with troy aikman that's gonna piss some people off and then you're at a whiskey myers backstage cooking for cody and the boys that's gonna piss you know why because that shit's awesome it's yeah, awesome. I, and you um, know what? It's hard for a guy like you. And it's really hard for me. And I don't know if you ever feel like this, but sometimes I'm like, man, I, I do kind of feel guilty. Why do I get to have all this fun? But Matt, I'm telling you, it takes hard work
1: to get to where, where you've got you got You You didn't just wake up and, and, uh, and these guys want, you know, to come on a hunt with you or whatever. Like it, it's a culmination of things. Like you're a pro at what you do and people, you know, people want to work with the best. And so, you don't have to make any apologies for it.
0: You know what I'm saying, though, is that that's what's crazy is that you almost found yourself going like, holy shit, I get to do this today. Did I really just get to go experience that? I'm just a duck hunter from Reno, Nevada, and you're just a barbecue guy in Texas, yeah. and we're sitting here living a dream life, bro. And I'm not bragging. I want to I want to bring joy. I want people to live through us vicariously. I want other people to do it. I want to be an inspiration or an influence to somebody being like, I want to have the next foul life. I want to be the next meat church. That's what it should be.
1: Yeah, because you know they're coming. I mean, you know, there's a, there's somebody out there working on it. So, yeah. Well, I'm hopeful that now that, like I said, hey, Foo Fighters playing in the Garden two days ago was like, all right, that's a sign. Shit's getting back to normal. Hopefully people, you know, get a little better. But I don't know, man. It's, you know, if you ever want to get in a bad mood, just go read Twitter in general. And, it you know, it's made oh, me yeah. just like Twitter's where I just go drop a post and I leave because I can't I can't handle any of the crap on there. Not about us in particular, but. You know people have lost their minds so
0: last question for matt Pittman: exactly. the meat church what song is on the radio what cold drink and it not can't be whiskey because i know what you drink and it's not jack daniels even though you might enjoy it once in a while what are you drinking what's on the radio who's at your table where are you at and what's on the grill Oof. it's the ultimate meat church experience with friends
1: oh man that's a tough one
0: if you don't want to do the part of who you're with and i understand that part you can answer the other ones no
1: no. wait that's fine i just have to you know and i've experienced some of this lately but um
0: would it ever be chicken matt i'm not trying to interrupt you i don't want to interrupt you would it ever be chicken
1: oh that's a good question too um (laughs) rodeo was one a few years ago on a chicken and everybody was like what like you can't win a you can't win a world championship in Houston, Texas on a damn chicken? Was that our was that our buddy Doug? Uh, yeah, well Doug won it well, yeah, Doug and Jamie Gear have both done it. So, you know, yeah. How so, crazy is that? So, is that, it could I, be chicken. I really, I really wish I could try that chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Well, I mean, so so I'll give you an interesting one, uh response to that. A couple of years ago, the American Royal, I'm sure you, not American, at Memphis in May, I'm sure you've seen this, how we're right across the sidewalk from Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters, which I know I've mentioned, but number one rock band, or favorite band of mine of all time. And I'm like, landing, the plane has just landed, and I get a text from Chad Ward. He's like, yeah, Dave Grohl's in our tent right now. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And so, you know, I get in the Uber and get there as quick as I can. He's there all weekend. It's a huge barbecue guy. So later that night, we're 100 yards down at Peg Leg Porker's Party, doing shots off a of shot luge, me and him next to each other. And I just looked at him. as was like, I got, can I take a picture with you? And he was like, well, if you didn't ask me, I was going to ask you. He, <laughs> no way to tell me from Adam. He just was saying that, but you know, just super cool dude. But I mean, Hey, for me, it'd probably be, um, it's always family around the table. Like we're a huge family, but um, man, I've, you know, lot of a lot of a uh, lot of monster vodka in this family that's not a very barbecue drink but my wife drinks red bull vodka and i drink a lot of monster vodka um our best times over at it's at our lake house and then i don't know man it's food fighters whiskey myers who we've talked about are are definitely in my top so those we work with a lot of country artists but i'm a rock guy at heart so that's probably where it's at
0: and what's on the grill
1: it's always brisket, you know, oh, always um, brisket. I'd love to give you something fancy, but if you're going to come to Texas, we're going to smoke a brisket. I got a new pit last week and they're like, what's the first thing you're going to cook on? I said, what the hell do you think I'm going to cook on it? <laughs> it's not going to be a chicken. I'll tell you that.
0: It's going to be a brisket and it's going to be, I love how you laid it out at the beginning of this. I And I got to be, I got to be really transparent with you of, I messed up so bad the other night and I did not know that you rest the brisket that long before you put the knife to it. I had no
1: idea. Well, just call me or text me anytime you're cooking. I'll, I'll help you out. But yeah, if you, um, I can text you a picture. We shot a brisket for a, a thing we we're doing for a partner. And I was like, Hey, you know what? We should cut this brisket up real quick for some photos. Cause it was like, we we're going to serve it to our staff. So we cut it. I don't know, man, like 20 minutes after it came off the Traeger and it, you can tell it's not rested in the photos because it's real. It's almost white looking inside. It's it's nuts. It's totally different. So it's very obvious when you look at it that it was way too hot.
0: Matt, can people contact Meat Church? And besides buying your rubs, can they, can they book you for a private event? Can you travel? Are you willing to travel out of the state of Texas to cook for an event? Do you do this type of thing? Um, how do people get a hold of you? And... What is kind of the idea of what you want? Do you pull a trailer up to a parking lot and throw down? Do you have to have a bunch of stuff waiting for you? Are you self contained once you arrive? Can people work with Matt Pittman, the meat church at one of their events?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's only one of me. And um, I do have a team, but I don't have a full-time culinary team because that's not our focus. So usually when barbecues involve, you're talking to the guy that's going to make it. And we're proud of that, but that means it's super duper limited. So we have lots of options. I do have a 40 foot trailer. That's about a 30 foot kitchen certified, you know, commercial kitchen with uh, two massive pits on the back of it. Um, I've got an old Brand new, actually, trailer rig, real vintage looking uh, 530 gallon smoker. Like we can throw down some serious barbecue, but said earlier, family first here. And so my travel outside of Texas is extremely limited. Uh, We live at our lake house during the summer, which is why it was so hard for you and I to connect. So in the fall, we will be available. I don't do it too often, but... Um, I often joke, if you're, if you're trying to get me to cater your son's eighth birthday party, I'm probably booked, but <laughs> miraculously when Luke Bryan calls, we happen to be available. So.
0: <laughs> well, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Luke Bryan status lives up to a hunt camp. Cause we're going to do one this year with Cody. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We got to keep in mind, I'm going to talk to you off, off, off Mike about two things. That's Matt Pittman. It's meat church at well there's a there's a couple different instagram pages now there's go yeah, ahead matt what
1: meet, meet at meat church is the main one uh meat church bbq supply we put a lot more of our product stuff on there but meat church is is a big one um and like i said earlier our focus right now is youtube we're putting out a lot of super cool stuff on there so like and that.
0: youtube is at meat church also
1: yes yes
0: become a subscriber get in their facebook group a hundred and ten thousand Freaking followers, members of a Facebook private, congregate. the congregation, five hundred thousand. You know how many freaking people that is that follow somebody that cooks brisket. That means you're a badass brisket griller, cooker, barbecue master, pit master, Matt Pittman, the Meat Church. This life ain't for everybody. He is the freaking man. Thank you, brother, for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me, man. Thanks Kay. for sticking with me through the scheduling nightmare, but it worked out.
0: Heck yeah, this was perfect, brother. I appreciate it. We're going to end it right there. This life ain't for everybody. Jack Daniels, thank you so, so much. Lynchburg, Tennessee, Sour Mash, whiskey, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in the culture of everything we do here at all of our brands. Tom, Jake, hit that button. You know what, Matt? I'm going to let you pick the song. Which Whiskey Myers song do you want to go out with, with Cody and the boys? Oh, man. Stone? I don't know
1: yeah well i'd say broken window serenade
0: oh, oh there it is broken window serenade i listen listen i had broken window serenade virginia stone and frogman on four song rotation in the pool the other day oh. people are like what do you do and i'm like don't touch the button dude don't touch the button <laughs> <laughs> they, they thought the record was skipping i'm like no it's not just leave it right there i'm having a nice day that's matt Pittman, meat church cody and whiskey myers thank you all so much this is broken window serenade tom jake hit that button peace